This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Thank you, Victor. You did a beautiful job with that song. That song actually is part of an album that Warren Zevon created in the year before he died. He, he knew he was dying, and he was not, if you're not familiar with his music, he was not known for tender songs. But, but the shadow of death did something to shift how he was experiencing life. And, and that's the first gift of death, is that we begin to experience life differently when we are conscious of our mortality. And sometimes we become conscious of that because maybe we have a near-death experience or in meditation or something like that, but most of the time we become aware of our mortality because someone that we love has died. This altar here is, comes from the day, Dia de los Muertos is what it's called in Spanish. And our, our Latinx family have created this custom that we are honoring here. Their belief is that we need to remember, keep our ancestors and loved ones in our hearts because if we forget then they have what they call the second death. They disappear completely. Now, this isn't necessarily unity belief. We, I mean, we believe that when we die, we just are reabsorbed into the one. We, some of us may believe in past lives and, con- and continuing reincarnation. Charles Fillmore believed that, but not everyone in unity does, and it's not It's not like a tenant that you have to believe if you're going to be part of unity. However, it is a beautiful idea that we get to try again and try again and experience life from many different angles, not just one. We get to have all the experiences. We get to be all the races. We get to be all the the genders and the gender fluids and the and the rich and the poor, we get to be it all as our hearts grow and grow and grow and become more compassionate. So that's the unity belief. But around the world, people have many different beliefs about death. And the question of what happens when we die is as old as humanity. It's the question everyone wants to know, and we have all different answers that come up for that. And there isn't a right answer. There's just the answer that settles for you. That's a good enough answer until you actually die and then you've got the answer. This altar is called an ofrenda, an offering. And on the altar you'll see besides the pictures of those that we want to remember. And we're just going to energetically include all of the loved ones that you didn't have a picture for or you forgot to bring a picture for or you're online and I hope that you will put a little offering in our group 
I, I started some with some of my family members, and it's, it's pretty easy to do. But we have their pictures so that we remember them. We have offerings of the four elements, so there's a glass of water there, because they may get thirsty on their travels coming back through these thin times to visit. Um, there is food, offerings of the earth. The flowers, ideally, would be live marigolds because the smell helps the dead to find their way back. They follow that trail of smell. Um, the candle represents fire, and it can also represent wind. And they have, if you've seen those, like the prayer flags, um, those are supposed to gather the wind and that allows that element to be represented, but I didn't have any of those. So that's what's on the altar. The idea is that they come back to visit, and why would they do that? I believe they would do that because we need to be reminded of the gifts that they gave to us. These are our ancestors, they're our, our family members, they're our friends, and they hold riches in their souls that benefited us. Their character formed us. Sometimes their character wasn't that great this time around, but it formed us in our response to them, and so they deserve to be honored. It's so interesting, I was very familiar with this custom, and I'm, I'm familiar with Samhain, which is the Celtic festival that sort of morphed into Halloween. But when I was doing some research, I learned that they, there are actually customs all over the world, particularly in Asia. For example, I'm sorry, I don't know how to speak Chinese, so I apologize for that, but Zhangwan Festival, um, they have an entire month that's called Ghost Month. And the spirits of the, of the deceased are believed to come out from the other realm. And I, I think it's so interesting because when we talk about these being thin times and they can pass through the veil of life and death more easily, it makes sense to me at this time of year that we would pick this time when the leaves are falling and it's getting cold and chilly. And yeah, if there were ever gonna be a thin time, that would be it. But the climate and the season is not the same all over the globe. And yet, all over the globe, at this time of year, that celebration is happening with different variations. So in the Zhangwan Festival, they have the whole month and sometimes they call it the Hungry Ghost Festival. Sometimes it's just Ghost Month. And for both Buddhists and Taoists, they are um, specifically honoring the ancestors. The gates of hell are opened up and ghosts are free to roam the earth where they seek food and entertainment. Um, and so this, they do ceremonies in both the Buddhist and the Taoist tradition to help the ghosts who have yet to transition, and feasts are held in their honor to satisfy them. And they write on these joss papers, they write messages to their deceased, and then they burn them so that the smoke can carry across um, the dimensions. 
they, they have, instead of pumpkins or turnips, they have water, lotus water lanterns. And they put those at the end of the ceremony, at the end of the month, they put those on the water to guide the ghosts back to the realm of the dead. Um, in Nepal, there's a Hindu tradition, Gaijatra, and that's known as the festival of cows. The cows are, are holy in India, and so they're considered to be helping to guide the recently deceased. And during this festival, cows, or children dressed up as cows, are walked in procession throughout towns to find, to help um, family members who have lost a significant person in the last year. It's a lighthearted celebration of death that is designed to help people just get comfortable with the idea that we're all gonna die. The same thing with Dia de los Muertos. It's lighthearted, it's a festival. And it's designed to normalize death. In some cultures, they have, I, th I think it's Vietnam or Indonesia, somewhere's in there. Um, there's a custom where they don't bury the dead right away. They keep them around. The corpse just lies in bed or sits up in a chair for maybe a month. And if you come in and they say, oh yeah, Papa's just sleeping over here. And you know, the, they haven't done any um, embalming fluids. They're just continuing to rot. And the whole family is there, yep, there and there's Papa over there. And, but the point of this is that we, in our culture, in the United States, are neurotic about death. We think it's a terrible thing. Oh, God forbid I die, except <laughs> we all are going to die, and we know that. I remember um, Mary Morrissey was telling the story about um, this man who came running into her office, and he said, I just found out I'm going to die. And she said, how did you get to be this old? And you're just finding that out. It's, you know, we, we know it, but we avoid it. Look, look at what's going on with the pandemic right now. And I'm not saying go out and try and get your best to get infected, but, but we're all so nervous about we might get COVID and then die. And how are we rearranging our lives as a society so that we don't die? Now, I'm not in line. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh, please, please let me go. <laughs> let me be the one now. I'm not saying that, and I don't see any of you getting in line either. It's, we are enjoying the life that we have, and we don't want to release it. But it's important for us to remember, and death is a gift to us, to remind us this is not all it is. We, it's a, a reminder that while we are here, let's really live. How many times have we not done something that we really wanted to do? It was just in our hearts, and we didn't do it because we might fail. Someone might be mad at us. You know, we have all these reasons. 
But that's not living. And death reminds us we only have so much time, and none of us has the expiration date written on our wrists. So we don't know. It could be today. And so we want to really live to the fullest this time that we are given. And the other thing we want to do is remember that this is not all there is. Jesus said, don't lay up treasures where the moths and rust can consume them and thieves can break in and steal them. Now, yes, he's talking about material goods. Don't make material goods be your everything. But it's also, if you look at it metaphysically, he's saying, don't let your consciousness be about the material world. Remember, there's a higher consciousness that does not submit to death. This higher consciousness is what you take with you when you go. This higher consciousness is the treasure that we all need to be focusing on developing. We are here to grow in wisdom and in love and compassion. And as we focus on that, our treasure grows. So that when our day comes and the figure of death is in front of us saying, okay, now is your time. We are not grieving so deeply because we have used our time well. There's a feeling of rightness to it. For those of you who have had the honor of being with someone who has been in the dying process, I know that you have seen how they leave bit by bit. It isn't, I mean, people who die in an accident, that's different, but people who are in the dying process, they leave bit by bit, and they are more and more in another realm. And we look at them, and we often feel badly because they cannot do the things that they could do before, because they appear to be suffering. But what would happen if we reframed that? What would happen if instead we said, ah, look, they're touching the divine? What if we knew that just by being in their presence, something was radiating from them, and we could take it in? How would that change our experience? I don't know about you, but I think about if I were to die, I think about all the people that I would leave behind and how sad they would be. At least I'm imagining that. But, but what if I was actually giving them a gift? When I think about when my mother died, 
I was only seven, and it was, it was really, really hard. And I cried and cried and cried a whole lot for a long time. And, and I didn't understand it. I, I tried to make up excuses like God needed her more than I did, which was, you know, that was total bull. But it, it just helped me in the moment to ease my concerns. But, you know, now I know that's not true. But what I have found as I've worked with this pain through a lifetime is that it did something to crack open my heart. And I believe that I have a greater capacity for compassion today because of that early start in opening my heart. I also have continued to work with the idea that I'm all alone and it's all on me. I, you know, because I was preparing for this talk, and then in the self-care class, I'm also doing death and loss, you know, because you can't get enough of a good thing, right? <laughs> but, so as I prepare for this, I have to re-experience it and, you know, focus on it. And so it hasn't been my most enjoyable week ever. But one of the things I realized is in going through this whole pandemic experience and, and our experience as a community, it's been a kind of death. And, and we have lost something that we had before, and, and it's been very hard for me to do that. And what I, the connection I made today was that my old story that got started when my mother died, and I was, I was the oldest of four ch children, and the fifth that was almost born didn't make it. Um, but there I was, the oldest one, and a Capricorn, in case there was any chance that I would miss taking the whole burden on my shoulders. Um, and so I believed that I had to be the one. When my father told us he was so, he was so broken up and sad, and he couldn't get the words out of his mouth, and so I stepped up and I said, she died, didn't she? And he just nodded. So my takeaway was, I have to be the spokesperson. I have to take it all on. And I'm seven, and I don't know how to do this. And, and so what I realized is, whoa, here I am again. I may as well be seven. I've got this whole community I'm trying to keep together, and I don't know how. And that's when I start to remember, except there's a whole big dimension out here. It's not just me. <laughs> it's not just my body. And this is the time to turn to my consciousness of the divine and realize that this, the divine is doing something here. We, the divine that we are, are creating something here. But that wasn't my first thought. And if it weren't for death, I might not have come up with it at all. So when you think, I asked in that discussion question, what was your first experience with death? And how did it shape you? The younger you were, the more likely 
your takeaway is not truth. It's something that you made up to help you get through. But even as adults, we have lost dear friends, we've lost lovers, we've lost parents, we've lost siblings. Even as adults, we make up stories. And so my invitation to you today is to think about what are the stories that you're telling yourself? And could there be a different story that is founded in higher consciousness? Something that would allow you to celebrate all those that have lived, that they got to be in your life and you got to be in theirs. That allows you to celebrate that you are walking on this planet still instead of criticizing what is not right about your life or your body or whatever it may be, just saying, whoa, this is so great. Remember in the, <clears throat> in the play, Our Town, Emily dies as a child of 12, and she wants to come back just for one day. And so the stage manager slash God says to her, well, just pick an ordinary day. It'll go better for you. And she picks an ordinary day. And she notices things like the smell of the toast. Oh, little sensory things like that. And, she, and she's saying to the stage manner, does anybody notice? Does anybody ever notice how wonderful this is? When we've done in meditation classes, we've done a mindful eating meditation. If you've never tried that, please do. I mean, it would actually be an ideal way to eat your food all the time, but I'm going to be realistic and just say, at least try it. You know, smell the food before you put it in your mouth. Just teeny tiny bites. Just savor the taste on your tongue. It's a beautiful experience, and it's a, a model for how to do life. So in a minute, the musicians are going to come up here, and they're going to lead us in music that celebrates life. And I just invite you to be totally present with that music. Just feel that energy of joy. We get to be vehicles of joy on this planet. How great is that? So we celebrate all of these beloveds, all the beloveds that you've posted online, and all the beloveds that live in our hearts even if their pictures are not on our altar. May we prepare for our death by living fully, because that's what we're here for. <laughs>